Um, <clears throat> me, 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 me. Are we going to change the name of it? Yeah. What are we going to change it to? <laughs> <laughs> this is a bad idea. <laughs> Thoughts regarding comics. Welcome to Thoughts regarding comics. By <laughs> comics yes. Place. Yeah. Where um, we think about comics. And then say our thoughts. We think we read comics. We think about comics. And then we talk about comics. Reading, um, thinking, and talking comics. Ruminations and cognizations. How do oh, you say that word about comics? Comics, comic ruminations. Ruminations. Because how, okay, what if we ruminants are rumination? Also, well, ruminants are also animals with four stomachs. So oh, wow. that's pretty good. Wow. There's only yeah. three of us. Who's the fourth stomach? It's Andrew. you, dear listener. Oh, our fourth stomach. Comics, comic book ruminations. <laughs> Welcome to Roman's ruminations <sighs> on comics, where Roman um. reads comics and then makes us talk about them. Season two, episode one of comic book ruminations with ruminants. Four-bellied buddies who like to discuss comics. <laughs> Jeff, Jangle, and Roman are here. Who is the fourth belly? Well, it's you, dear listener. Welcome in. Welcome in. Season two, episode one. Let's talk some comics. We've been reading comics. We've been thinking about comics. Now it's time to talk comics. And that's why you're here. Them. We've digested them. <laughs> we've put them in our maw. We've chewed them up. We've made some sort of a strange grass plug that held them for a long time to make sure we could take any long nap we may need. And now we're ready to squirt them out. <laughs> Please digest with us and um, enjoy the show. This and week, then here, I oh, think you would you would do like a exactly. like, like a real like a saxophony, down. like yeah. shitty saxophone intro. I don't know if we're going to cut this part out. I don't think we should because it's all above board. But if you are listening and you're thinking, wow, that was a new theme song. Thanks. It was. <laughs> we if you're still listening, if we we haven't done it yet, but I bet that it's good. Um, hey, this week on Comic Book Rumination Season 2, Episode 1, uh, I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Roman. Roman's Ruminants. We oh. are. It sounds like Droppings. I think it's a good name, though. I, I do think, think I'm probably the only one who thinks it sounds like Droppings. I, well, there's, some, there's a tie there, right? It's a lot of bellies, horses, could, you know? <laughs> it takes guts to name your podcast something like this. Yeah, it's better than perfectly acceptable podcast, which has nothing in it. It could it's be anything. To us. It's dead, it's dead to, to us. us. It's got papcast. I love that abbreviation. Yeah. I do too, but mostly I love it because it's always made Django feel gross. Yeah, yeah, that's why I love it. <laughs> hey, um, this week we're going to be talking about some comic books. We're going to be talking about Stray Dogs, number one, Dog Day. Stray Dogs, Dog Days, number one. We're going to talk about Same Devil's, old podcast. Same old podcast. Devil's <laughs> Reign, number two. <laughs> 
we're going to be talking about Timeless, number one. Ice Cream Man, number 27. Lonely City, number two. And Maze Book, number four and five. We're also going to be doing some buckshots and following up on a thread from the last time we were with you. We're going to have a couple guest buckshots this week. But before we get into that, hey, Django, you just gesticulated at me. What was that? Oh, I... I uh... I, I thought we were going to talk about Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number six, but I am probably wrong. That'll be a buckshot. Um, oh, fuck. I just spoiled our own podcast. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is an explicit podcast, and we spoil everything. We're also clearly using a written intro now. Um, I want to write to everyone a little bit um, about... With your mouth? Yes. I will be speaking. We have an email from William Elmer. Happy episode... One season two legacy numbering 252. Uh, happy episode 252, or how I learned to stop worrying and love season two, episode one. Happy New Year's, <laughs> my good chums. I hope you had a great two weeks off and a fun and festive holiday season. Issue 252 of Amazing Spider Man, titled Homecoming, sees the debut of the first black Spider Man symbiote suit in regular series mainline continuity. An important milestone in comics that I have definitely never read. In season two, episode one of The Simpsons, Bart fails four consecutive exams and is recommended to be held back and repeat fourth grade. Bart vows to improve, and after procrastinating for too long, he prays to God for help. That night, a massive snowstorm hits and closes the school, giving him another day to study. Where am I going with this, you may ask? Well, my question of the week, silly. If you were to have a massive snowstorm hit and close everything down and give you extra time to procrastinate, what classic comic series or arc that you missed would you make time to go back and finally read? Or should old acquaintances be forgot and never brought to mind with tidings of comfort and joy? I loved that, Will. Well written. Well written. And a great question. What do you I boys did. think? Yeah, I, I did a little bit of catching up myself, but in a different form. What did you, Django? Oh, I did have a fun infested Christmas, like he said we should. Oh, good. 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 This season of the podcast, I won't be trying to uh, dry response Django's jokes and make him uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm going to clearly like them. And I oh, did that. I really like, liked your joke that you just told the then. season of yes. And the season of yes. And the season of support. I this week, because we had some extra time, uh, a little leeway, I instead caught up on a lot of current series that i was falling behind on i caught up on the issues of crossover i missed i caught up on magic order i'm going to mention that i caught up on maze book so i just kind of did some spring cleaning and reduced these large stacks but for classic runs one that i've uh really wanted to go reread lately is scalped that's been on my mind a lot lately yep and um like two and a half years ago when i had some downtime or maybe it was just the pandemic um at the beginning of the pandemic i started i don't know it's a really weird gray stream of time which would be a great segue to timeless but that's a different podcast uh i i was reading the j michael straczynski spider-man run because it's long it is kind of weird and it, it's it's a thing i have a perverse interest in but not a huge desire to like bring into my personal continuity of spider-man mm -hmm. but spider-man is my favorite character and i want to make that on record it's not batman it's spider-man hmm. well I, you know, opposites attract. I would say that I have four books that I always think, yeah, I should really reread that. And the, the weekly grind keeps me from it. Transmetropolitan mm. and Preacher, mostly mm. to see if they stand up to what I have built up in my brain, because I think that they're two of the best comics ever made. Uh, Watchmen, because I 
love it and and need to refresh on it and um oh god jeff i can never remember the name of it new frontier mm. just because it's it's great i guess that's four dc comics uh i'm sticking to it i'm sticking, sticking to, to it, it. Four, Roman. like our stomachs on this podcast, including yes. you, dear listener. Yes, bring your tummy to the table and set Shli it upon the wood grain. Shli of us and one of you. Shli. No recycled jokes. <laughs> There's trace of us and uno mm. of you. And, and no? no trace of the old podcast. Roman's <laughs> turn to speak. Um, God, Preacher's a good one. I'd like to revisit that. Uh I'd want to reread Morrison's Grant Morrison's mm. Animal Man mm-hmm. and Doom Patrol because every time I watch an episode of Doom Patrol, I think I need to reread those comics. Um, and actually, Hickman's run at FF because yeah, Jeff loves that series and he talks about it so much. And I've read them all, but not since they came out. So every time Jeff mentions, I'm like, God, I gotta read those again. Yeah we haven't read it while knowing each other i mean like i only no. passingly knew you we haven't read it yeah. while working together that's a great call i read yeah. the first omnibus like two years ago um mm. when i was having a little bit more time to do some rereading and yeah. didn't make it through the second one yet god there's so many immortal hulk now that it's all over oh, reread yeah. that. yeah okay so here's my question to you guys before we get into the comic shop talk of the week uh if you you know had the opportunity to be reading you would go back to so django you kind of older things Roman, you mentioned Super a couple nostalgia. things that have kind of wrapped recently. Um, would you go past or more modern? Even though you guys both kind of answered that question just now. Past. Less modern. Maybe more modern, just because a lot of the classic stuff, like past past classic stuff, I've, I've read a bunch of times. And I think that's a great point, Roman, because, yeah, also when you read a book monthly when it's coming out on issues, it, it has a way different feel than to read it all collected. So it's almost mm-hmm. like reading it a, a different way. Hey, buddies, let's spoil some comics and talk about them. I, this week, decided to read my very first issue of Stray Dogs. <clears throat> it was Stray Dogs, Dog Days, number one, by Tony Fleeks and Trish Forstner, which I don't think is the best issue <laughs> for your first issue of Stray Dogs. So we've talked about that on a different podcast we used to do called The Pappers. But this is Roman's rumin. No, this is Comic Shop Ruminations. <laughs> um, Roman, oops, okay, it's in there though. <laughs> you heard it at the beginning. Um, Roman, Roman's rumens. Roman's ruminants. But uh, so you guys had read Stray Dogs. This issue is basically like a ton of like four page shorts introducing you to a dog. And if you tell me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, because I've not read any other uh, stray dogs. Um, are these all dogs that are in that other series? And there is a killer that kills people and takes their dogs as trophies. And these are the moments leading up to when their people get killed for the most part. Yes. You got it in one. Nice. You got it in one. Usually on this podcast, I know that I know you're new. Yep. to season two episode one but normally we time. try to get it in four yeah okay the, kind that of the makes theme sense. The, the the quattro that theme makes sense the... yes it is my favorite quattro yeah <laughs> uh but you did it in one which is a quarter of what we normally do it in and, what i'll say uh, is not that fun is if you don't know any of the dogs so all this like little bit of context for these dogs kind of means nothing it was still cute and still a good comic book and the art was good but 
I do want to read the other book. Also, I'm worried about all of these dogs. Every one of these dogs I was attached to, guys. God, that the 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 first storyline of Stray Dogs that happened all before this issue. Oh, it is it is just a I like I I mean I love horror movies. It's scary and heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And this at first I thought it was going to be, oh, these are just nice little vignettes stories of those dogs we got to know. But then these fuckers <laughs> halfway through this, it started getting scary again. I was like, Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked one part of this and it was watching Imogene, the little tiny dog get big and turn into the dog that we know from the, from mm. the previous series. Yeah. I thought that it, it felt like uh, bonus material from a DVD of a movie that I liked. Yeah. Like it's fine, but I don't, I don't know that I need two issues of it. Is it going to be a, just a two issue thing? It's two issues, and it's, okay. I see that there's another one coming. I just didn't know if it was going to be a mini series or what. I think, and and you could you could tell me if I'm right or wrong here, Jeff. But I feel like there should have been a big starburst on the cover that says "Terrible Jumping On Point." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay, um, but yeah, so. What is it that makes Stray Dogs good? I guess Roman did just kind of mention it. It's a lot of different things. It's both scary and emotionally connective. I love animals, and I know Roman does as well. Django, you don't like animals that much, um, but you liked the main series as well. What I liked about it was the idea that these dogs are currently owned by a bad guy, and the dogs don't have long enough memories to retain that or to do anything about it for the most part. And so it's it's kind of like canine memento. <laughs> and there's real peril for the dogs. And yeah, I, I I thought I liked the way that the story kind of unspooled. And I thought that this this just felt unnecessary. Like it's it's absolutely not a bad comic, just information I didn't really need to know. The art I mean, so yeah, that that's a great pitch, uh, Dogs Memento. The art also, on top of it being a complex adult story in many ways, is like Disney art. So like mm-hmm. it's it's very kid friendly on the surface. And then, you know, what is the lowest age that's acceptable for this book, you guys? Oh, I don't know, like 13, 14, yeah, probably. Yeah, I was thinking 13. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Like, okay. I don't think there's any nudity and the, the violence or the violence and the spookiness is mostly tension and some bones. The mostly. Best part for in this to me in the heartbreaking part was when the one dog that's always attacked by the cat is taken and the cat's like super sad and curls up mm-hmm. in the dog's bed that was empty. I, like I had to go hug my cat. <laughs> I love cats. You hugged your cat and went and bought a dog. Yeah, two of them. I got two yeah. puppies right now that I'm neglecting to do this <laughs> stupid podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the main series is so innovative with the no short-term memory or long-term memory in the dogs. And and just the fact that serial killer that that I don't think we've seen that before in any media, a serial killer that keeps people's dogs as his trophies of his kills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I did like the part where the, the little dog tries to trade uh, human arm yeah bone. I thought that was <laughs> yeah. pretty cute yeah. pretty cute stuff well I'm interested to hear your guys' scores for this one because it's coming from a very different place than mine I give it a 7 
I gave it a nine. Ooh, nice. Um, I gave it a 6.5, although I do think the craft is all there. I just think that if it's the first one that you pick up, you're missing a lot, but, um, mm-hmm. I got, I just kind of put it together, but I, again, I, I think it would be mileage would, would vary if you've read the other one. Cause I do think the other one sounds phenomenal. And that's crazy low scores for a podcast that traditionally does out of a hundred. Yes, I know. <laughs> In Romans, 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 Ru- Romans, Ro- Ro- Romans, Romans, comic book rations. You know, this this got an extra point just for like the three pages of four pages of readers pictures of readers' dogs yeah. in the back. Yeah. And there's one named Jerry Lewis. Movie. It's a terrier. Uh, <laughs> Terry Lewis. <laughs> um, okay, well let's let's move right along to Devil's Reign number two, Chip Zadarsky, Marco Cicchetto. I which is like Django said in the email, kind of just the next big part of Chip Zadarsky's Daredevil run. But gosh, I think the big takeaway in my mind is, well, two things. Zdarsky writes a good Spider-Man, but um, I love Marco Cicchetto's art. I like, it's just always phenomenal whenever I get to see it. We read, I read Wastelanders Hawkeye this week and the original miniseries that a couple of years ago was Cicchetto art. And I, anyway, I just, I love their art. It's been a minute since I was talking about it because I haven't been reading the main Daredevil book for a handful of issues, but. Uh, what do you guys think about Devil's Reign? Roman, I know I have your copy of this book because you're running low on it. Django, did you read this? No, I am horribly behind in Daredevil. So mm-hmm. I've, that's going to be something that I'm going to be talking about, wishing I had read the trade next Christmas break. Well, I was behind on the issue because the I think you fell off at the same time I did, which was an Elector became Daredevil because we sold out of those issues. Yeah, But this one, I just started Devil's Reign because I wanted to be a part of it. And it does a great job of kind of telling you everything you need to know and, and making it feel like you didn't really miss anything. But this is fantastic because we've got, you know, Kingpin kind of doing Civil War type stuff. The cops are against the superheroes and the superheroes are all banding together. Um, but Roman, the interesting thing in this one, well, there's many interesting things. My two things that I'm most interested in are whatever Dr. Octopus is working on mm-hmm. because he's got some bad stuff and i just maybe had an idea about it but he, it's he's using reed's oh. technology of the gate to get you know like the infinite council of reeds mm-hmm. do you think that this reveal at the end is like there's a wolverine with metal octopus legs and there's a hulk with like four extra arms do you think he's it's like the infinite council of dr octopuses like all of these people have extra arms do you think he's putting them on those people or do you think that he's gone and found those people and like they're all these are mm. what do I you like, think god i like your idea of <clears throat> infinite autos council because I had that hadn't occurred to me um I assumed he was finding these people somewhere because because mm-hmm. Django he's got the kingpin gave Otto Octavius the Baxter building and all okay. of Reed's technology and of course kingpin thinks that's going to be in service to his uh trying to eventually run for president but of course Otto's got his own plan right and when they showed that page it's like you know that's the uh from the what the 90s the new fantastic four ghost rider hulk and oh uh, adams ones yeah and we'll yeah except this is a different version and they've all got (laughs) multiple arms like dr octopus i forgot that that's that incarnation of yeah so that was fun on both on both those levels that was fun that was cool and the page right before that reveal is like Otto standing in front of the gate and his tentacles are everywhere and he's in shadows and it's just like a really incredible and haunting <laughs> image that is fantastic because yeah. Marco Chiquetto is amazing. Um, another really interesting part in this is that 
to overturn this law that Fisk has put into effect in New York because he's the mayor. They think that the better thing, to, the best thing to do is to run against him. And they were going to have Tony Stark do it, but then they choose to have Luke Cage do it. And Tony seems maybe he supports it, but also maybe is a little bit, there's a little shadiness with him there. Yeah, that was real interesting. Because the previous issue, they were like, oh, we, we, we got to beat him politically. So we have to run somebody against him. And of course, Tony's like, well, it better be me. Yeah. Which, of course, all the readers are like, Tony, you've got a, lo- a laundry list of huge fuck-ups <laughs> yeah. in your past. <laughs> and they bring that up, this issue, and they're like, and Luke's like, well, I don't want to do it. But he's like the only one of them has never worn a mask. He's a man of the people. Yeah. Um, which at first I thought, well, that's not going to work. He ha- he's an escaped con. He has a prison <laughs> record. But then I remembered, but Luke Cage isn't his real name. He Carl Lucas was the prisoner who has the record Luke Cage after he escaped made up the name Luke Cage and became a superhero. So I was like, wow, this is brilliant. Yeah, it is. I like it. And it does make a lot of sense. It does feel like kind of clearly written. It feels like a story that was incubated and came to fruition right around the most recent presidential election, because, you know, there's the line of like, well, I don't know if it's supposed to be, you know, like, do we really want to be voting for two rich guys like Tony or this? It it feels very like, oh, like a complaint about the American political system, which I totally support. But it's like, you know, uh, it just feels like it 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 felt thinly veiled, which is no, no problem. It just was a little little thinly veiled like all oh, right this is a sort of like yes we need to do elect biden but we weren't super excited about him but he's better like, better than trump type of thing <laughs> i i agree i mean i think it'll be cool with cage and, and until we got to that point of the issue as and last issue i was like really they're gonna do just another not very different iteration of the superhero registration act that's mm-hmm. kind of boring yeah. but to get us to the point of like luke cage getting into politics well okay that's cool <laughs> yeah and it's i what i do think Django is pretty great is that zadarsky is a fantastic writer and he really you could drop into devil's reign and he it doesn't feel it does feel like a thing that you could just start there he, he really bakes so much of the plot yeah. and ex you know um that exposition into dialogue but not in a heavy-handed expositional sort of way it's just like windows into all these events that you can then infer from and i forgot about this and i just want to remember that Zdarsky did that Marvel two-in-one miniseries that was like before the Fantastic Four came back when Dan Slott was writing it. And Zdarsky writes a really good Fantastic Four. He would be a great writer for that. But there's a great scene with Reed and Sue in this. I'm just like, yes, this yeah. is Reed and Sue. Um, so yeah, uh, Roman, what was your score for Devil's Reign? It was a nine. I gave it a nine also. Wow, you guys are <laughs> nine buddies. It's a really, Double really... nine. Niner, niner. Niner, niner. Um, well, Django, can I talk to you for a second then? Yeah, what do you what do you got, buddy? I'd like to time slide us over to time list because world endingly, Roman hasn't read this yet, and it is a very large oversized book that came out this week. I haven't had the time. <laughs> oh, that was some classic season one humor right there. I tell you what. Yeah, I, I would expect nothing less from the yeah. reticulum of the podcast. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Endoplasmic reticulum. Second stomach. Um, this is written by Jed McKay, and it's got a slew of artists, Kev Walker, Greg Land, Jay Leistein, Mark Bagley, and Andrew Hennessy on here. Jed McKay has been writing the Black Cat book. He's written a number of other things. And the Kang Roman. miniseries that just wrapped up last yeah. week. Yep. And Roman's been reading his <clears throat> stuff more 
than I have for a while now. Um, and this issue I thought was very, very good. Mm-hmm. And I think that this Jed McKay guy really, I'm, I, I'm excited to see what he's going to be doing. And as I was reading this, my only hope was just that I hope that he doesn't get kind of swallowed up by editorial aspects at Marvel. Like I hope that he can sort of write the books he wants to write because he does get, he kind of goes far into some sci-fi stuff here in some, you know, like meta techno babble conversations that I was like, hell yeah. yeah, keep this up. But I, I also don't want him to rein stuff in, in the same way that like Al Ewing can, you know, be great, but sometimes not as great if he's like working on a strict Marvel thing. Although his stuff is generally fantastic, but, um, but, but like Al Ewing really knocks it out of the park, mostly with like cosmic and psychological stories. Right. Yeah, and less like champions or something for right. me, but that was maybe total hits for other people. And and Jed McKay seems to really like to dabble with time and multiversal stuff mm-hmm. in the books of his that I've read. And I, I haven't read them all, but the stuff of his that I've read that I like flipped to the front to see who's writing this has mostly been stuff that deals with a lot of time travel and 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 weird warping. And this certainly does that. So we're going to spoil this book, folks, um, but this is mostly just Kang who picks up a traveler who's writing, or sorry, a person writing a book on Earth, and he tells him, like, yeah, you're uh, writing a biography for Doom, and you love Doom, and you're going to publish this book, and in, like, a couple weeks, you're going to get an invitation from Doom to, like, meet him and all this stuff, and it's going to go well, but he's like, "But, but Doom is a farce, and I love this guy's writing for um for kang and his back and forth with doom and their relationship and i think that kind of even started with the christopher cantwell dr doom miniseries but there's been some great just stuff between those two guys um and i like the competition there but we get a bunch of like kind of classically marvel like marvel point one or marvel now where there's a bunch of allusions to like looking at the time stream and just seeing an image for like an event that's gonna happen yeah, and some of it's been announced, like the the Punisher's logo with when he's working with the hand is something yeah. that has has been all over the internet. And there's a Darkhold Spider Man shot in there as well. Um, that's all yeah, I got. Yeah, there's so so anyway, th- that's kind of kind of interesting. You know, it's you get a lot of it with Marvel's, but I thought the more interesting stuff would just like at some so the big crisis comes up in this that there's a one of the timelines that's been removed is like trying to reintegrate into the mother timeline which they're kind of borrowing some of the philosophy that they introduced into the kang mini or sorry the loki mini series the loki show yeah yeah like these you know these ter- timelines and the way that they're visualized within this <clears throat> but so they go to check out this you know lost timeline where there's only one living person they're like well it's got to be dr doom and they get there and there's like this giant sword spaceship called damocles that was king kang's old ship and all these dead celestials and that's awesome and they get on this ship and they find Doom, but it's actually Reed Richards, and he's replaced his eyes with the Time Stone and the Reality Stone. So creepy. And he's wearing Doom's armor. And there's a big fight, and that all goes well. But uh, then there's a he takes the old author guy home, and they become buddies. And then the big reveal with that is that um, he can't stop thinking about the symbol that he saw, and it's the Miracle Man symbol. So they're going to be bringing Miracle Man into Marvel continuity, which is exciting and interesting if they do it well. And I'm sure Alan Moore is pumped. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Moore is the fifth stomach of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Where only the hate and bile lives. 
Um, but yeah, it's it's just I thought it was really well done. I did too. I and like having read those like Marvel point ones and Marvel now things that are all like like this is way better. And I my only quibble is that, and it's not even too much of a quibble, but I I, I do, I think I like the way like Christopher Cantwell wrote Doom, or sorry, wrote uh, Kang a little bit more than McKay. I think his is totally fine, but um, he, he's got like a regal egalitarian thing and he, he's a gorgeous vocabulary and he said a couple of words I didn't know and I love that. But even just some, in some of his speaking, um, I do like a kind of zany, like a little, a little zany in my Kang. And I think Cantwell did that yeah. a little bit better. This was a little I, bit more self-serious. And in the Doom book, Kang was just kind of showing up out of nowhere and fucking with Doom, right? Yeah, but not even necessarily like intentionally fucking with him. He, would, he seemed almost oh. just kind of like a a dementia patient who was kind of like just yeah. coming to at different times. And I think that I really liked what I read of that series and and the way that that Kang was used in there. And I read the whole Jed McKay Kang comic that just wrapped up last week yeah. or the week before or whatever. And it's like a very for for a time traveling nut job it's a very linear story mm -hmm. you follow kang through all his time hops and it's not nearly as absurd and abstract as he is when he just shows up apropos of nothing in, yeah. in things like the doom book and that's kind of what we have here this this felt a lot like just a very natural follow-up to what we've read in the the kang origin book that just came out is this a one shot yeah, I believe so. Man, I wouldn't have read it if I'd known that. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like kind of what's... I thought it was a crossover. It's just the big the big advertisement for the next kind of moment of Marvel. And and Kang has been becoming much a more central part of comics because he's apparently the next like you know, big part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, mm -hmm. um, Which is all very good. I love Kang. I just hope, like with Wolverine, we don't get overexposed. Yeah, I, I think I think there is that danger. I thought the art in this was really, really good. It was like, better Bagley than I've seen in a long. It was Bagley who like kind of you'd have to like see certain faces to know for sure that that's who it was. You want to know a secret? Yeah, I didn't even know Bagley did any of it until you yeah. said his name. Yeah, there's some uh, adult male and adult female faces that always give Bagley away. Um, maybe it's the anchor Andrew Hennessy. Mm. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I was super impressed with the whole thing. I gave it a nine, Django. What'd you give it? I give it an eight. God, we could have made a whole new score system for this season. You know what? The next season we'll do that. We'll do it next season. Yeah. Fuck yeah. it. We'll do it next season. Yeah. We got 250 episodes probably. Maybe yeah. less. Maybe we'll cut it short. Who knows? Yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about that it's, stuff. I'll tell you what. My favorite part of this new thing, because like it, comics are a... pretty grueling. Yeah. Oh, We've yeah. 250 episodes of season one of the Perfectly Acceptable podcast. And now we're at like season two, episode one of Roman's ruminant comic conversations. Yeah. And I'm just glad that we've decided to go quarterly with the podcast. I know four times a year is going to give us a lot more breathing space, a lot more breathing room. We're really going to be able to digest to... it. Yeah. Yeah. You took the words right you, out of your tummy. You, you did. Yeah. You did. Hey, uh, Roman in front of my stomach. I'm excited to talk to you about Ice Cream Man number 27 by W. Maxwell Prince and Martin Marazzo because I I guess I just kind of assumed that you wouldn't like it because cockroaches are only a hop skipping away from spiders in my mind. I don't I don't think they're even an arachnid. They're not. They just you know they've got spindly 
long, scabby, hairy legs. That, yeah, I don't think. Well, I don't. You know? well, I guess maybe they're kind of hairy. I don't know. Cockroaches don't bother me. It's they gross specifically me out. the scientific taxonomy of a spider that freaks Roman out. It's nothing else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly just, yeah. And I'm sure if I woke in. up, I woke up with like cockroaches on my face, that'd freak me out. But. Mm-hmm. If I just run across one, which I don't think I ever have. I never have, knock on wood. <laughs> New Orleans with me, boys. No, I'm afraid to do some cockroaches. I don't oh, cool. Wanna. Can we see can we see some nutria too? Probably. Awesome. Yellow teeth. Awesome. <laughs> but you like this issue a lot, Roman. I did like this issue a lot. The the morphometastasis. I I'm not even sure how to say that. <laughs> metamorphosis but so like the kafka thing i've I've never read metamorphosis but it felt like there was that going on yeah i mean he was referencing both that and ovid's metamorphoses yeah okay cool and i saw the book in here and that one i don't know as much about is but is the kafka one based on that's that's what this issue was It, it was a that's why they have that the title reversed on the cover of this because yeah, because it's the um, oh. reversal of Kafka's story. Kafka's story, you know, Gregor Samsara wakes up and I forget the famous first line, but he wakes up and he's been transformed into a giant insect. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this, the main character, who I, who's I think Greg, Greg yeah. is, a, is a cockroach <laughs> who turns into a man. And the man seems to already exist because the cockroach just slips into his life. There's a wife and a child and he just kind of yeah. becomes that. Um, so have you both read the originals, the things that this is based on? Oh, I've never read any Kafka until just now when I Googled it. And it's as Gregor Samsa awoke one morning from Gregor. uneasy dreams, he found himself transformed in his bed into a gigantic insect. That's a great first line of a book. Yeah, that's one of those famous first lines of literature. So and what? And it's interesting too because we think of it's became associated that that he's a cockroach, like the basis of the story and everything. But that first line they don't specify in the German. I think the German word it just is insect, hmm. right? But but somehow that got transferred into specifically a cockroach. What is the meditation of the original one, and then how do you feel like the meditation to this uh, relates to? that do you feel like it's similar is it opposite having it's, not no bit relationship with the original i'm in the dark it's it's similar it's i mean the original i mean i haven't read it in years but <clears throat> it's about just kind of the the meaninglessness and futility of life and how that you know we're no our futile little lives are no better than you know an insect okay because he gets transformed and never there's never a reason given why or anything. It's just all about him trying to deal with it and the sadness that he has because his family, who already didn't like him when he was a human, dislike him even more <laughs> as, a, as he, a giant bug. Is he? So he's like a human-sized bug? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So this is like, this book is like the third act of Kafka's Flowers for Algernon. I was just going to compare it to that where he goes back then, yeah. <laughs> and now he's a human and then he gets shot. Yeah. I, I thought that the, the end of this was kind of bizarre, almost like, uh, like a Magnolia-style series of events, uh-huh. right? Where we just have... The domino? Yeah, like, like this dude kills his boss in front of Greg and Greg gets shot because of it and like 
I don't know. I'm sure somebody who's read Metamorphosis would be able to tie Morphometasis into it a little bit better than I am. But just the the total lack of control that this guy has over his life at whether he's a cockroach or a human, I thought was was interesting. And, and it's disgusting the way the cockroach grows human legs. Yeah. <laughs> and it is panel. It is interesting, like hearing Roman talk about the basis for this story um, being, you know, sort of the the discontent and sadness of becoming the bug. Whereas this one, he's he manages to like, you know, my hope my old friends are doing all right, but I sure do like this kid I've got now, and I like this wife, and my job's not even so bad, and I, this food's great. Like it's weird. It's like the you know, like he becomes content, but it also does seem like there's that that strong undercurrent of uh, comparison of like the human rat race to the rat race of a roach, mm-hmm. a roach race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that I just noticed in one of the panels when Greg is in his his human job cubicle, there's a drawing by one of his kids that says "Daddy." Yeah, Daddy's a cockroach. <laughs> Yeah. And I think we see the in on, on like the third page after the dude eats ice cream. I think we see the ambulance people. Yeah. From one of the oh. first few issues. And the theme of Holt brand items runs throughout this issue, which I don't think we've seen Holt in Ice Cream Man before, but that is the company that he's working for as a mm-hmm. human. Yeah. I do like that in that alleyway, there's the graffiti that says, there goes your life. And that's yeah. kind of what happened, you know, like the, mm-hmm. the the metamorphosis of it. Yeah, I thought it was really gross, especially those beginning pages where they're all just cockroaches hanging out together because cockroaches... Sifting through the beloved crumb pile. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of cute and funny. They When he kills the one guy, his blood is yellow. Um, yeah, very in- interesting interesting book i liked it but it didn't stand out in the top tier ice cream man issues that i sometimes get but i you know again i'm missing some pieces to the puzzle i think yeah i gave it a seven i i like the bizarreness of it i don't know i don't know what the lesson is other than cockroaches are the same as humans which i think it was the original point of kafka's story if, if I understand it right. Um, yeah. I just like the way these guys work. I know. Nine. 27 issues in. Good for them. Yeah. yeah. 27 yeah. standalone issues in, guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Yeah. That's more stomachs than I got. <laughs> That's why you form a team. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a 9.5. Hell yeah. Yeah, and it's been so long since I've read Kafka's work. I don't even remember how it ends, but just the way this team puts this, these issues together, these stories and all these overarching connections with literature and stuff. It's just, it's all so well done. Yeah. One day we won't feel the need to be talking about ice cream man as often as we do, but that day is not now. <laughs> Have we skipped an issue? Yeah. Probably, right. Probably. Yeah. I don't know that we talked about 26. We talked about 25. Yeah. Oops. That was made a good, of... good goddamn comic. Great goddamn comic. Um, I'm glad that we've decided not to swear in season two. Let's go. Is goddamn a swear? No, that's why I'm glad that we're not swearing because we're using choice words like goddamn. We should should only use swears from uh, comic book and science fiction pop culture, like Felder Carb. Felder Carb from Battlestar Galactica. 
I love it. Get the gimbal. Hashtag dollar sign percent. Yeah. Exclamation mark. <laughs> Catwoman Lonely City number two. Suckatash. Let's talk about this one. Cliff Chang rating and drawing old woman Catwoman. We talked about issue one. I haven't read this yet because I have a problem forgetting things in my car. <laughs> you read it, right, Roman? I did, but I read it last week and and because this was a last it, week book. In, in my in my my daughterage, I can't remember <laughs> what it was about, but I know I liked it. I gave it a high score. Okay, so Catwoman Lonely City by Cliff Chang, start to finish. It's basically the issue where Catwoman is setting up the team to to do the job. And then um, because it's just three issues long, they also do the job and there's some fallout. Um, it has some of my favorite references, which are year one references. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. There's a running gag through the story where she meets. So it's like it's like probably 50 year old Catwoman and she's meeting people who are fans of Catwoman. And every once in a while, like one guy's like, oh, yeah, I used to have your poster up on my wall. She's like, oh, yeah, really? Which one? And it just shows a panel of like the overly sexy Jim Ballant Catwoman in her purple costume. And and he realizes that she knows that the reason he had that poster up was because she has nice boobs. And then later she meets somebody else and he's like, oh, yeah, the one the, I had the poster up with the goggles. And she's like, oh, I like you. You're pretty cool. <laughs> um, there's also like a, like a cool interpretation of an older uh poison ivy um she's like in in south america and kind of just just a badass like she's thick thick poison ivy being rad and hilarious and telling people to go telling Waylon to go pee on the uh, giant man-eating plants and then telling ah, i'm just kidding you can go pee in the bathroom um this whole series has like both issues have just done a really good job of of showing us like a kind of a grounded futuristic gotham and grounded futuristic catwoman which is something that i think we've been missing with future state and like some of the other batman stuff where it's like here's the grittiest darkest shittiest version of gotham i mean i mean crummiest version of gotham that we could possibly <laughs> come up with and i like this one because it's just like yeah there's not really much for new technology there's like everything that sucks is kind of it just sucks a little bit more like it, it follows things to a less of a comic book future and more to just you know this is this is what it looks like what um, do you think it is about it that gave caused roman to give it such a high score what do you think roman liked so much about it i, I so far so far everything Django comic. mentioned mm, i just want to know like i want to hear you know, I, hear I mean, the whole Catwoman, the whole Catwoman, different cost posters, different costumes that cracked me up. Um, <laughs> really good. Like a well-timed joke, too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 The whole I forgot it was only three issues, but the whole assembling the team thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just it's a it's a really good heist movie set in future Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they even they even kind of poke fun at the the wacky technology that somebody's come up with in here. Like this guy has a heads up display prototype helmet and she's like, "No, nah, that's kind of dumb. That's that's not for me." And 
Like it just, just kind of issuing what you would expect to happen at almost every turn in this is, is really interesting to me. Was this the one that also had, Oh, doesn't she go get some technology or something? She forces old penguin to supply her something or something. Or am I confusing was that, that number with... one? That happened I... number one, I believe. You did it. Or am I confusing you, it with Batman Catwoman? You might be thinking there, there was some penguin stuff in Batman Catwoman okay. a couple weeks ago too. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> There's a really good scene with her and the and, and a sober riddler. And oh yeah. And they're they're just like they're hanging out in a hotel bar and uh he like it's just flashes of their night of hanging out, and he's like, Come on, Selena, the boots. She's like, what about you? The body <laughs> suit and the cane? And it shows like a, a classic picture of Zany Riddler. And he goes, look, I was doing a lot of coke back then. <laughs> and I, like, I just I just love the idea of all these wild and wacky supervillains just kind of being washed up, kind of bored with their lives, moved on. It's almost exactly the opposite of the Batman Catwoman story that's going on right now with the Joker, <laughs> you know, like... Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, that, I, I that, think this is a really, really well done comic. Yeah, that sequence with her and Riddler in the restaurant—that's their their night of drinking and reminiscing. That when he referred to that doing a lot of coke, that instantly made me think of uh, Frank Gorshin as the Riddler on the Batman TV show because he <laughs> doing a lot of was, coke. Yeah, because that was a really manic performance, and he was always cackling like he was insane. It's like, oh yeah, coke, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, caffeine will get you messed up, kids. Got to be careful with that. So I gave the first one a high score. I can't wait to read this one. I just, you know, I give this one a nine and a half. Yep, that's what I gave it. Yeah, it's hell yeah, pretty close to a perfect comic. I don't know why I wouldn't give it a ten. Yeah, I actually wrote on my my score page nine and a half slash ten because I couldn't think of why I wouldn't give it a ten. Yeah. Maybe just because I have to have a magazine-sized box to fucking store it. I mean, <laughs> fracking store it. <laughs> oh, nice. You even brought it back to Roman's idea. Um, okay, well, my highest score of the week, and I read it back-to-back uh, -back with the previous issue of it, which got the high, the same score. Um, Jeff Lemire's uh, Maze Book 4 and 5. Uh, mm -hmm. Roman, are you reading this series? I know that we talked about the first issue of the week that it came out. I've read them all. Nice. Well, this is my favorite Jeff Lemire thing I've read in quite a while. And I'd put it right up there with like Day Tripper. Um, mm -hmm. th there's, I think, it, you know, mileage may vary depending on the kind of stuff that you're into, but like, especially the types of things that give me anxiety or depression or aspects of my own life. I was really able to relate to with this particular book, uh, issue four and five specifically. But uh, yeah, Django, you brought like the week four came out. You were like, that is the best comic I've read in a while. And I would, I would echo that. And I would, I would put five right there with it. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out what it is about four that I liked so much more than five. And I think that it's because we finally get the characters journey into the maze like he's, he's kind of been sniffing around the maze this whole time. And he, then he goes into it and it just, you, you can, you can see him not really being very good at this adventure that he's having because of a lot of his, I think, I think it's saying it's because of his emotional 
baggage and how he hasn't been able to let go of his daughter. And there was just something so perfect about the pacing of that fourth issue to me. And the, um, the panel layout, I'm not sure if you looked at it, but like the panels, they'll be, it's perfectly paced and they're not nine panel grid at all. And the wear up, you sort of follow a singular path of panels and a maze like structure around these double page spreads, but where a panel ends on one page, you turn the page and it starts in that same spot. So kind of like that night, but it also happens vertically as well, like up and down. Yeah. Um, so kind of like that Nightwing issue that came out uh, last week. This, well, and and yeah. even while they're doing that, like he resists the thing that I thought was going to happen. I thought I was going to have to turn the fucking comic, the freaking comic yeah. upside down at some point. <laughs> I'm glad that we didn't. I'm really glad that we didn't, but it, it felt like that was on the table and I, I admired his restraint there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, uh, I, you know, I want to use a cliched word, which is masterful, but I think that mm -hmm. it's like a really, it, it indicates a really precise sense of, uh, well, maybe mastery is not the right word because it's like exploratory mastery. Like he's still experimenting, but his clear, um, yeah, skill with the medium seems to be ever evolving. And mm -hmm. I just really, really dug what I think that I like. One of the things I like about this book so much is that I think that you can view what happens in these final two issues on a personal way. Is it a dream? Is it not a dream? Is it a hallucination? What does he find? Is this a physical room? Is it not a physical room? What mm -hmm. does it mean? And I really like asking those questions. But for me, I personally sort of chose it. He gets to the center of this room and he finally finds it and he finds her and it's a location. But it's really like what it is, is, you know, he talks about uh, in some memories, some dreams, he can actually like see her face. Uh, and mm -hmm. this to me felt like your desire to live in a memory space, like live in the past, remembering when life was good and not then living in the present life. And it was this idea of like, you could stay here, dad, but like, you're always going to be depressed if you you have to like close this door at some point. So you're able yeah. to finally move on. And I, I really liked that on a personal level and in the, in the way that they, yeah, I finished five and I had tears and I was just like, this is this is a good, this is right up there in my pantheon of like day trippers. I can't wait for there to be a hardcover of this. Cause I thought it was really, really beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like the parts that are open for interpretation. I interpreted it as him actually finding her because throughout the first four issues, anytime he tries to remember her, he can't see her face. Mm -hmm. And when he finally gets to the center of the maze, he can. But maybe that's a mental breakthrough, too. Well, I think that he, you know, kind of like he mentions throughout the series, he can't remember her face. But in the first issue, he kind of mentions like, but sometimes I can. Like okay. sometimes if I remember hard enough or if I have these moments, I can actually get back to that space. Connect and he's dots. always been trying to go back to that space. And it's this idea of like, if you're always trying to go back to space, you're never really able to. But I'm mean, not not that there is one interpretation or I've, one right answer at all. But I've never thought that you were trying to give me a correct interpretation of anything in my life. There's a good dog in this book, and I like <laughs> dogs. You know the thing about Jeff Lemire, and I'm sure that I'm sure that we said this on that podcast. It's dead to us now. Mm, um, the, the pap grave. The the, the pap grave. Um, there's a. Jeff Lemire's art style is not good when you first look at it. No. It's sketchy and 
grotesque and kind of wrong. And but as soon as you're like two or three pages in, you realize that he has. I th I think one of the best handles on body language and facial expressions. I agree. Within all those weird scratchy lines, he he nails something similar to like my very favorite body language guy, Kyle Baker, even though they have very different art styles. Like, yeah, they're, they're, he, he's just so good at giving you everything that his characters are thinking with art that I, I don't think somebody new to comics would be would be able to really jump into it at first for special uh, sure for sure sorry especially with these like more monochromatic ones roman what do you think about this mm -hmm. whole mini series i think we like the melancholic nature of the first issue but i don't know that we've talked too much about it since then no i don't think we have um i, I liked it i like I, I really do like your interpretation of um the emotional mental breakthrough i liked uh I didn't really care for issue four and issue five. I was, I was, I was a little bit, I mean, I was a little bit like, like, Oh, that's it. We need to love ourselves and let go and let go and move on and yada, yada. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was, ex I guess I was expecting a little more. I also didn't realize that was going to be the last issue, but I was also expecting just a little more of the journey. Mm -hmm. um, so I was actually surprised with the ending and a little disappointed yeah I, <clears throat> I i dig that i i loved the ending i, I was <laughs> it was you know really for me it was the perfect emotional tone to leave it at uh for me in my space i give both of those issues a 10 we give four a 10 i would give five probably an eight and a half and i give the series a nine mm. oh we're doing the series um I mean, it's over. We got it. Yeah, I guess that's, so. That's the rule on on Roman's ruminant oh, featuring oh. Roman the oh, right. reticulum. Forgot my own rule. Jeez. <laughs> um, I gave four, oh, like a seven, and I gave issue five and eight. I guess I'd give the series. Uh, how do average things? Um, I guess I give the series an eight overall. Hmm. I'm going to go nine, 9.5, 10. I don't know for the series. I, I will buy this book. And I feel like if you're somebody who likes day tripper, it has a very similar meditation to me. You're both right where I want you. Oh no. Uh oh. <laughs> and that is standing in the presence of two very wonderful people. Uh, we have special guests on the podcast this week. They've just been sitting there quietly for the entire duration of season two, episode one, waiting <laughs> to talk um, we, I, Jeff mentioned doing an all buckshot episode the last time we did this. And then we had Christmas break and things got real busy and Orky. yeah. And I thought I was gonna be able to do that. And I wasn't, and I had a number of people reach out that were totally on board to do it. And the only limitation to that has been time and organization. And, uh, I'm so glad to have Will and Andrew here who have been on podcasts with me in the past. So it didn't take Will and Nathan here with me. <laughs> you know, Will and Andrew rolls off the tongue. You say those two things together a lot, you know? Did you know, did you know my name is actually William Andrew Elmer? It only makes sense. Are you That's sure it's I, not William Andrew Nathan? Um, well, but that there's Jeffrey Nathan Butcher is also with us. JNB. Wait, 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 wait. Do I know that Nathan's actual first name is Jeffrey? Is, is that a I think you've your known father's, it at some His point. father's name is Jeffrey. 
This is true. <laughs> and your name? This is true. So you're Junior wow. Butcher? No, his middle name's different. <laughs> wow. You yeah. can't Man. be a junior if you have a different middle name than your dad? I mean, I don't know the rules of junior. Yeah, who writes the rules on not to be Junior on Butcher? <laughs> I'll, I'll be Junior Jeff. Nathan, Jeff, and I could be Junior. I'll, we could be double Jeffs. We could be effing and Jeffing all over the place, Nathan. It would be so... So awesome. Hey, but because uh, Nathan and Will have both done this in the past, and uh, I appreciate you guys doing this last minute, and anybody that, you know, talked to me about it, it's just the lack of organization, and we would love to get other people to do buckshots in the future. Keep an ear to the ground and an eye to the sky, and we will make sure that you can be on it. I know, that was it just came out, and it was really pretty fluid, but pretty dumb. It was good. Uh, it was good. You're, you're yeah. a great first stomach of the body. You know what though? It always what I'm always taken back to since we have Will here is uh, Milton yelling, "Keep watching the skies." Is that no? Keep yeah. watching the skis. We're gonna do some buckshots, and I think to make everyone feel comfortable, just as a, in like a almost like a warm up activity. That's not a warm up activity. We're gonna make uh, Django go first. The thing about this week is we're gonna do two minutes. We haven't done a podcast in several weeks, so you can talk about any books from this week, any books from the last two or three weeks, or you can talk about any books from the end of the year or a combination no of those things. Concept of time. That's why you keep watching the skis, but you go <laughs> now. Oh, gosh. Well, I read Got Supergirl, Got Woman of Tomorrow, number six of eight. It's just a retelling of supergirl's origin and it is amazing and heartbreaking and probably even better than may's book number four like i finished it and i just couldn't couldn't get over how good that issue was um i want to spend more time on it but i only have two minutes uh i also read I mean, well, <laughs> I'm eating your How seconds long? now, but you only had a minute and 27 at that Oh, point. you son of a gun. Yeah, we don't swear in Daisy, season two. <laughs> Daisy number two. Um, I really like how tall this lady is, mm -hmm. and I'm really curious about the mystery, but I don't know if I like it. It's only five issues. I'm going to read the next three. I'll finish <laughs> it. I'll finish it. But uh, yeah, it's a weird comic. Uh, One Dark Night. Written and drawn by Jock. I think DC's Black Label is has somehow figured out how to maybe save money making creators do all the writing and all the art. Um, it's got a couple of my favorite panels of the last couple months in it. And uh, I think you should really probably read it. It's it's uh, got a, maybe a new bad guy or a bad guy that we, we don't get uh, to see used very often. And... Uh, super cool blackout in gotham city that texas blood christmas special that texas blood number 13 this book just continues to impress me it's a good old ghost story and it's got a recipe at the end Ooh, yeah just a sucker for recipes at the i end. am then batman catwoman number nine just another good tom king maybe you can tell i like batman i like tom king i like ghosty things and um, tall women and tall women with braces. I know you guys don't know me very well since this and is sad the first boys episode. And snow. 
Oh, I guess you'll never get to know me. You'll have to use your context oh. clues. <laughs> oh, man. Two minutes is too many seconds for probably Django and I. Uh, 120 is like, you know, more than more than we deserve. You want some scores? I'm going to give Supergirl the Woman of Tomorrow 10. I'm going to give Daisy a seven and a half. I'm going to give that Texas Blood a nine. I'm going to give Batman Catwoman a nine. And I'm going to give Batman One Dark Knight an eight and a half. Ooh. And if you made me give Good Boy a score, it would be like a six, maybe. Good job. Good job, you. You like that, wow. guys? That's how you squeeze an extra book into your two minutes. You just I, give it a score. You can't. Yeah. He can't stop you. The I would. rumen of this of this ruminant can't stop you. That's the first stomach, Jeff. The rumen. Of what we have now created, which is a six-tummied beast, because again, we all know that the final tummy is the tummy of the listener. I don't know if that's. What if two people are listening together? Sloths. It's a that's a co-tummy. That's a co-tummy. What if two people are listening together and uh, one of them is pregnant? Oh. oh, well, then you're just approaching. Or at least whale. working on getting pregnant. Beard's beak whale okay. now up to 13. Well, this is the worst soundtrack to listen to while trying to get pregnant. <laughs> um, um, okay. Oh, All right. move your elbow, Jeff. <laughs> that hurts. And your breath smells like onions. Um, you but- cooked them. <laughs> you cooked him. You said you lie like I said I liked him. All right, Will and Nathan, who wants like to go first? 120 seconds all to yourself. Oh, it's Will. Go. Go. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, okay, I'm gonna add on to Supergirl uh number six also because I had it ready to go, and I'll add a little bit more of what Django said. You know, the the series is super similar to Superman Up in the Sky, where each issue is kind of standalone and different stories about what makes Supergirl great. And I love this series more than Superman up in the sky, but this, like Django said, is devastating and it gives us a completely different set of eyes on the destruction of Krypton and what Supergirl had to endure. Um, this series just kind of gives me a whole new level of respect for Supergirl as a character and how much more she's had to deal with than Superman. And I think it's like kind of been a sneaky, interesting message of uh, what women have to deal with versus their male counterparts who get more recognition despite potentially having to like suffer more and have to deal with a lot more shit and still get like half of the recognition. And it's really awesome. Um, I'm going to talk about Iron Man 15 also, just because this book is, there's Chris Cantwell. It's totally 100% different than like the first one or two issues that everybody was kind of mixed on. It's almost like it just took a completely different direction. It's a bunch of cosmic craziness with Korvac and, um, this episode, this issue ended up uh, moving into the parallel dimension that his Doom miniseries took place in when Earth was destroyed. And uh, Iron Man has this cosmic power and they have this massive fight and he smashes the destroyed Earth into Korvac and leaves him in this universe. And it's just, it's wild and crazy and completely different than hmm. what I expected the series to be. And it's been a, a hell of a lot of fun. Um, and then I'll just shout out Timeless being... Uh, super fun. Never read Kang uh, comic before, and I thought it was uh, a great introduction to Kang and um, a little bit more about who he was and excited about the future. And this guy called Mir- Mr. Not Mr. Mir- Miracle, Miracle Shazam. Man, Miracle Man, Mr. Miracle Man, uh, potentially coming. <laughs> was that my whole two minutes? That was your whole two minutes we also really dug timeless Django and i roman waiting to read it because he hates kang that's not true that's not true i don't know why i said that 
I hate that. I hate that fluffy green tunic he wears. Oh, it's the, one of the best <laughs> costumes of all time. You know, it ought to be. It. Um, I would give. I would give. I would give Iron Man an eight point five. Timeless a nine, and Supergirl a ten. Did you rehearse that to get it right in at two minutes? No, I cut out a. I cut out a book and <laughs> vamped. Okay. All right. Because I was planning on doing a, uh, a, a my favorite read of the year for the final 30 seconds, but I completely lost track of my thought and time for a moment there. And I just said, screw it. Um, with no Which explanation, I was just going to was that? It was this beautiful beast oh, of a monsters. book called Monsters wow. that is just freaking a magnum opus from Barry Windsor Smith that everyone Schwing. should read. It's incredible. Um, Roman, are you ready to carry on my way? Are you, you ready? snuck in an extra book there, Django? Are you, are you, are <laughs> yeah, you ready to, to, to do your two minutes, Roman? I like to be very, I like to make sure you're well equipped time wise and Django's not. Wait, no, this is season two. <laughs> I have a totally different uh, demeanor. Oh, I'm a whole different look. person. Yeah. Uh, st- I still, you got to be polite to him. Uh, are you, are you ready, Roman? Yeah, sure. What the heck? Oh, I love you. Go. I don't have any comics here. But, oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I've been really digging this Odin's Eye comic from Joshua Dysart. Um, Vi- Viking story set in the frozen, cold, horrible, dark wastes. Uh, this this girl's apparently gifted by Odin. She goes into these fits and doesn't know. It's and it's just amazing. It's just a great journey. It's it's spooky and and. Viking gore, beautiful art by Thomas. I'm gonna massacre his name, Giarello. Giaro. I don't know if he's Italian or Spanish. I don't know, but I love that series. It's on the third issue. This one, no holds, no holds barred. Number one, I think Jeff o ordered pretty much just for me. It's a story of Shakespeare, and he's got a little page buddy, and they kind of go off and do Batman and Robin stuff, like the TV show. And it's written in iambic pentameter. So it's really fun to read if you're into that because it's just got this nice rhyme going throughout the whole goofy tongue and cheap series. And he meets characters from his own works and and uh, his arch foe is, is his real life big rival from the time writer that people say really wrote his stuff. Some people say really wrote his stuff. Um, Death of Doctor Strange number, uh, what is this, four? I dug this series. It's really... It's really it's all coming together, Baron Mordo and Clea and and mystical, cool Marvel stuff and it's classic Doctor Strange. And it's got some big twist in it. Um, this week's issue of Amazing Spider-Man number 83 or 884 for the legacy numbering <laughs> was really good because it's it spoke to me because Peter Parker, he's got he's out of his coma. He's out of bed, kind of. But there was just a lot of great pages of him not wanting to get up and do his physical therapy and the nurse is trying to get him to and she's tough on him and he's like you know i I just can't do it today and he when he finally does and it's a great peter parker moment when he finally but you know i've been in the hospital recovering and supposed to get up and do physical therapy and just like that's the last thing you want to do but you have to and then they make you feel guilty because you're not doing it and then when you finally do it you feel like you've conquered the world for a few minutes until you fall down but (laughs) it was just a great issue oh Medical ruminations with Roman is yeah. the backup yeah. portion of our Romans. What is the name of this podcast, Django? Ah, who knows? Uh, <laughs> Romans, Romans, comic book ruminants. 
Roman's ruminants. Ruminants. Right. And he right. is the reticulum of the podcast. Right. He's the third. Ooh, I'm the, the third. Tummy. You're the rumen. I'm the omassum. Omassum. And then wow. there's the endoplasmic reticulum, which is more like DNA stuff. Yeah, I think that's butt stuff. I'm, I'm just, just going oh. yeah. to be Googling over here. <laughs> Which stomach digests the, the gooey duck? The could. Nothing can digest your gooey duck. Oh, that's right. true. That's so, true. Death of Doctor Strange, I gave a nine. Uh, no Holds Barred, I gave a 9.5, maybe a 10. I stopped oh. reading it. Like six pages in, and I was like, this is close. I stopped reading Odin's <laughs> Eye like four pages into it. Oh. Oh God, I love that one. But that's also um, I saw the eBay. But, no. Oh right, right. <laughs> yeah. Roman stars and garters. Uh, Odin's eye. I gave a nine point five for number three, and I forget. Did I mention something else? Amazing Spider-Man. I gave a nine. Oh, those are all good scores, Nathan. How are you feeling? How do you feel? I feel like a million bucks, Jeffrey. <laughs> I can't what, even see you as a Jeffrey. What the Nathan. listeners at home didn't see is the beautiful lean in that he did <laughs> and the sort of very a deepening of his voice. Um, I won't ever be able to know him anything other than Nathan because what a beautiful name. Um, Nathan, you have two minutes. I'm going to pick up my phone and you will get to run away with this sheep however you like or you, E-W-E, if you prefer. Uh, starting... <laughs> now man hi uh i read five number twos last week uh, because i picked up three and then i picked up two more to finish it off uh human target number two was just another 10 like that's a story that tom king is doing and you just need to read it i think everybody here probably is uh newburn number two i think is doing a lot of great things it is Chip Zdarsky just managing to write a thing that I don't think he's written and do it really, really well. It is not Brubaker Phillips. It's not the same thing, but I absolutely love it. And the characters are fun to, fun to look at. Um, the rush number two, I could barely finish and then I couldn't barely finish it. And then I went back and I finished it. It is just <laughs> me. Um, permission to any of you or anyone else listening to this to like, if you don't like a genre of account, like don't try some just are not for you. Um, regarding the matter of Oswald's body was really good. I think it's better. I, I only read number two. Um, and I think it's a really good comic. It seems like, but when I'm reading Newburn and I'm already invested in those characters on the same week, it didn't feel as great. Um, Devil's reign. I am a huge daredevil fan and probably favorite character, but I, I'm probably lower on this than most people. I think it's cool, but it reminds me other than Chiquetto's art, it's just still a little bit of that civil war stuff. And then uh, the comic book civil war. And then <laughs> like, even like Ben Riley being in there, like I know that he's in there. It kind of sucks. Like whatever. Um, the fantastic four life story. Number five is so good. It's you. If you like, I, if you like Marvel and read Marvel to even more than a book a week, I think that you need to be reading. It's, uh, the thing gets to punch Galactus and it's a very, very, very close to the heart story. And it has a little thing in there where it says that, you know, even when life sucks, it's still good. And it, there's some tragedy in that one too. And Mark Russell does a great job. Um, then this week I read the, the newest ice cream man, which is still just managing to be as disconcerting as it ever was. And decorum ended. Decorum ended. I haven't finished wow. decorum. I'm I I. It feels like another thing that got X Men universe. Oh. Like it started and it was really freaking cool, and then all of a sudden it was like what? Hmm? Yeah, <laughs> and it was a, there was a big gap in those like issues six and seven and seven and eight. Though I tell you what, 
Hickman, yeah. you busy yeah. beaver. Uh, what were your scores on that, Nathan? Uh, decorum, I'd give a 7.5. Um, Ice Cream Man number 27 is a 9, only because you have to give a lot of the episodes 10s. Uh, Fantastic Four Life Story number 5 is a 10. Devil's Reign number 2. I'm in the 8 range because I love Daredevil. If I only went off the comic itself, I might even be lower. Um, regarding the matter of Oswald's body is a seven at the rush. Uh, legit, I, a three because I want to <laughs> keep the range open. Um, Newburn number two is a nine. It will get better. Human target is a 10. Well done. Both guests well done on yeah. the buckshot today. Seriously. That's well done. I'm well done. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but, well, Jeff done. Um, I also hate when comic books become way too about the American Civil War. Django, I see your hand is up. Oh, Django, you're muted, I think. Oh, yeah, he is. Kind of you nice. got egg all over your face, Django. <laughs> nice podcast etiquette. Sorry, I didn't want you guys to hear me put the egg on my face, so I oh. muted my uh... Hey, I, I got a question for Nathan. Um, I, th- I I'm really enjoying The Rush. And I'm wondering, is it the horror elements or the fur trapper elements of the story that disinterest you? Man, uh, you I, really... I guess not fur trapper. Like it's 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 Gold Rush, but it's like Gold Rush in the fur trapper days. It is. It's time period. The best I can tell. I cannot. I can't hear it. I can't listen to it. There is nothing for me in it. And this is the third time I've realized it in our you know <laughs> pandemic book club discussions. So Romans comic book ruminant podcast wants to know revenant yeah i haven't seen okay it. <laughs> All right. I, I i i mean i'm on a similar wavelength i think that part of it's like vault books in general i've, I've been enjoying the blue flame quite a bit but other than that i think every vault book i've read has been this book is decidedly not for me mm-hmm. so i don't know if it's just that type of book that's attracted to vault then just doesn't quite appeal to me. And same thing with, with Nathan, or it's, it's all of that stuff. Because a lot of it does time periody, but it's also using, I think there, there's a lot of assumption of knowledge and information, and that's challenging, or just people that really love falling into atmosphere and just letting it wash over them. And that, I don't, I'm not, I don't, doesn't do much for me. I'd love to see them pair different writer and artist combinations than what they're doing. Well, and and just to offer the other side of it, I haven't read Rush one or two, but Roman, you really liked issue one. Did you like issue two? I did. I did. Yeah. I really like both. Yeah. I yeah, really like the Revenant, so I, I I'm interested in it. Yeah, and I love that movie. I saw that movie with you guys. I think. Yeah, me and you. There's um, no bears in it though, Jeff. In Rush. In Rush. In, yeah, there's definitely bears in the Revenant. You so can yes. always <laughs> read it. You can always read it on a bear voice. I, I bet a bear there's will a show cameo. Up. <laughs> a bear will probably show up. I'm sure. I would hope so. <laughs> I would hope so. Well, I guess there's only one person left to do this, Django, and it's me. But I'm not going to time myself. What, be, uh, you, what, what kind of dirty? What kind of peregrine falcon coward would uh, go? Um, I this week caught up with a number of series, but I caught up with the Magic Order two, number one and two, which I had not read yet. And I'm a, on the record as being a big fan of the first volume of Magic Order, and I thought this one is also pretty good. Not quite as good as the first so far. What I loved about the first, there's a lot of, I think, imaginative ideas and world building packed into a lot of small space. This one doesn't have quite as much, 
but I do think that he'll probably put it in there. But it also is a little bit more bland Mark Millar and Stuart Eminen's art. He's always amazing. It's a little bit, it's a little step down, but I also, I like, I like the characters. Also the main character, the bad guy you're introduced to at the beginning of this looks like the main character from the first volume who has stuff happen. So that was some, some confusing storytelling, but magic order still enjoying that. Uh, Wastelanders Hawkeye. Nathan, I think that you would dig this one if you didn't read it. It's written by Ethan Sachs, who did the uh, Old Man Hawkeye book with Marco Cicchetto that we really, really loved. But there's some cool stuff in this one with Old Man Juggernaut and Old Man Daredevil has become Old Man Stick and he trained Hawkeye how to be blind. And that's very cool. And the art um, looks quite a bit like Marco Cicchetto for somebody that is not Marco Cicchetto. So nice job on that one. I could just deal, I could have like apocalyptic old man, old woman stories for Marvel characters all the time. I love it. When like Juggernaut showed up, I was like, sweet. Amazing Spider-Man 82, the one before Roman's uh, issue that he talked about. This was covered by Jorge Fornes and interior art by Jorge Fornes, somebody we love on the podcast. And it is also entirely Peter in a hospital, but there's just a creepy nurse guy who's like taking people and knocking them unconscious and bringing them downstairs and feeding them to like a animal like parasite looking thing and Peter and Mary Jane take it down by lighting it on fire. And it's just some pretty great old fashioned comic booking on Jorge Fornes's part. And I, the story itself is pretty good. I like Peter being kind of tired, eat the rich number five, this mini series ended. We really liked the beginning of it. I think that it kind of went out on a down note. That's what I've got. Did it done it. Buckshot. Buckshot. I'm covered in your buckshot, shot. Jeff. I'm just there's all of us. We're just sitting here <clears> in my eye. Buckshot. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Uh, uh, I also read thing number two. I said I read five number twos, and that was thing number two. And I read oh. that Roman, and I liked it. And then I was reading it at a little cheerful downtown, and the uh one of the cooks was like, Is that the thing? And it, the thing is his favorite thing ever and i was like so i just left it there for him. nice that's one of my favorite <laughs> things to do in public if people notice that you, you're reading a comic and they're excited about it, just give it to them number two in the restaurant i do you love privileged comic owners you uh <laughs> leave your comics behind you walked in nathan and you were like are you gonna do that bookshot thing i was like i'd like to and you're like I'm going to just buy some books to, you know, be able to talk about. And I was like, well, that is exactly what I didn't want to have happen. Like, I don't want this to have turned into now people like spending financial things to do it. But uh, I appreciate both of you guys for coming on and doing this. I guess my scores for those, um, I just closed my journal with my scores. So I'll pull up. I do remember Magic Order. I'm giving an eight to these two issues Mm -hmm. so far. It's, It's good. It's a good book. There's still a lot of imagination in it. And it's, it, you know, it's like a, it's like a like a like a teenager covering nine inch nails or something, you know. You, I think with Mark Miller, you just have to crawl up inside his own ass with him, mm-hmm. and you have a good time. If you yeah. can't get up in there with him, it's it's well, he's always shoving parsley up there, you yeah. know, parsley and cilantro. I it's think not that's a terrible place to be for you guys. What's the, that? Whether you can get up in there or not, is that an issue? Uh, not in Mark Miller. No, I'm always <laughs> able to. He's he can always uh, rise my attention. He's yeah. an I think that's the man. The purpose for the existence of Devil's Reign is for those of us who prefer to stay out of Mark Miller's ass. We can read true. Devil's Reign <laughs> instead. A similar thing. Um, Wastelanders Hawkeye, I'm going to go nine. So far, it's been one shots that are connected without really any connection at all. And I'm fine with that. Just and one good? shots about characters because they've been good. Yeah. Yeah. But there's so far as I can tell, there's a podcast that's coming out. And this is maybe an advertisement for that. But it's kind of written by the podcast people. 
Yeah, but Sax did the original old, you know, old man Hawkeye and then old man next one. And, you know, I'm glad that he was back this one. This is the only one he did. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 82. I'm going to give an 8.5 to really good book. There's a creepy nurse in that and it's pretty cute. And then Eat the Rich number five. I'm going to go 6.5. I thought it ended fine, but it got a little bit more on the nose than the ambiguous first three kind of creepy atmospheric issues of the miniseries. Some of those issues, I think, were probably eight and a half or nine for me. And that last one was just like, yeah, cool. Yeah, quick. And the art was much quicker, it seemed. And yeah. 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 Um, Roman, anything else? Anything else we needed to cover here on your ruminants? Oh, um, your ruminants? Not that we need to cover necessarily, but I read a, my last graphic novel I read of 2021 was one that I think Django's read. Uh, did oh. you hear what Eddie Gein did? That was good. Mm. Yeah, that was so, or done, what Eddie Gein done. Yeah, that was excellent. That was a 10.5, 11. Oh, so yeah. good. Eric Powell. Yeah, I definitely yeah. want to read that one. Ed Gein was a fiend and he came from Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. I've heard <laughs> you do that a lot. Um, okay. All right. Well, let's wrap, you know, the end of the first portion of season two up here with a nice little bow on it. Will, Nathan, thank you both for coming so, so much. Thanks for buckshotting all over this podcast with us. Um, other listeners, we would love to have you on in the future as well. You can always, anyone listening, get us an email. To I don't mind it. I, yeah, I don't mean to interrupt, but <laughs> please don't. Or, I mean, please do. Do no, please interrupt don't. Or do mine. I, I yeah, think he I did mean, mean to interrupt. Yeah, I do too. Actually, frankly, did you guys know that platypuses don't have stomachs? They keep it all in their crazy mouths. Fucking monotraumatis, man. Don't trust them. Yeah, anything that's just a tube, I don't trust. No, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Shit. I've been holding it together and not laughing at you all night. And then you get me. The roles have been reversed. Um, yeah. Get us an email at Jeff at the Do your own buckshot. Record a buckshot. Uh, attach it as an audio file. We'll put um, anything on air. Clearly. Yeah. It's clearly something we need to look did into. You get, for did you guys get that email from Brian Garside that you asked for? Hey, Garside, where are you? Get a, get a, get a Garside buckshot. Garside? You're bros. Get in here. Lance is going to get us a buckshot. Andrew's going to get us one. Um, well, you know, it's all going to be fantastic and work out. But in the meantime, we're just happy to, you know, have this fresh start to season two. And we'll see you for season three next week. Um, I <laughs> am always, am Jeff. I'm Roman. I'm Django. I got something to tell you. Oh. I got something to oh, tell thank you. Thank God we get to cut the dumb bit of the question at the end because it's a new season. Except for camels yeah, have more than one stomach. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, uh, Will and Nathan, give a sign off too because you know you're beautiful voices. Uh, I'm, I'm 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 Will. I'm Will Andrew, and I was thinking. Um, oh if, God! <laughs> if if you were. A, uh, a DC character in the Marvel Universe, oh. how many DC stomachs would you have and how many Marvel stomachs uh, would you have if you crossed over into crossover in the Image Universe? Uh, zero stomachs for this line of questioning. <laughs> Six and three for me. <laughs> Roman knows. I'm Nathan. I get to be the guy who follows the guy who made those great jokes. 
<laughs> oh, those were serious, Nathan. Oh, I need um, an answer. <laughs> there is no answer. We'll see you all next week for season three or part two of season two. That no one season knows. Two, episode two, unless. Uh, Have you heard if we've got picked up? Are we getting options?